this is Emily. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Now, before we jump into today's topic, which Bridget and I are so excited about, quite frankly, I wanted to give a little shout out and an invitation to you all who've been waiting for us to host some kind of meetup. I'm really excited to be co-hosting an event in Denver, Colorado, my new city of residence, in case you hadn't heard the news yet. I sneak back to D.C. all the time to hang out with Bridget, but I... I actually live in Denver now. And we miss her so much. Oh, not that you can keep me away. <laughs> but we are really excited to be teaming up with Kat Jaffe of House of Pod to be hosting an awesome meetup event that's going to be totally free. And I'm going to be there. And I'm so excited to hang out with y'all, talk about what you love most about podcasts, talk about what we love about Stuff Mom Never Told You, and introduce you also to Bossed Up, the other half of what I do, which is my company all about career development for women. So if you're in the Denver metro area or know someone who should be there, go to bossedup.org. That's B-O-S-S-E-D-U-P dot org to find on the very homepage our upcoming event on February 13 in Denver. We'll also make sure to put a shout out on the Stuff Mom Never Told You Instagram and Twitter and Facebook so you can find all the details there. But I hope to see you then. And sadly, I won't be able to make it. As sad as that is, I wish I could be there to meet some of y'all. But don't worry, Em and I are hosting a meetup very, very soon. So details to come. Yeah, here in D.C. Here in D.C. Yeah, for sure. I hope to see some of y'all in Colorado in the meantime. So, Bridget, are you ready to talk horoscopes? I have never been more ready for anything in my life. I am not going to lie. So I woke up in the middle of the night the other night. I sometimes have trouble sleeping, so this is not highly unusual for me, but I just had a lot of racing thoughts going through my mind, and I literally reached over to my phone to look up my horoscope, because that is the thing I do on occasion when I stumbled upon the treasure trove of articles that have been written about why millennial women are so into astrology. And it was literally four o'clock in the morning, and I was like, that's it. That's the episode we're going to have to do next, because this is so us, isn't it? Uh, So had that happened, had I woke up and felt like reading my horoscope, I would have thought, this is a sign. Y'all, I'm almost a little bit nervous to admit this as someone who is the co-host of a research-driven podcast, but I am so, so into astrology. I read my horoscope regularly. I have made life choices based on my horoscope. When people call me out for being so into astrology, because when you're into astrology, it's just fine for people to make fun of you. I always say, oh, well, I don't really believe in it. I just think it's interesting. But that's a lie. I do believe in it. (laughs) I love that you're admitting that, first of all, because I, too, feel a little sheepish about confessing how into astrology I can be um, because I I do pride myself on being a research-driven, data-oriented human being, uh, but I do love a good Zodiac reading. I do. And I'm not as deep into the culture of astrology as you can be. There are graduate degrees you can get in it in certain parts of the world. But today I want to talk through why we are so not alone in this. And just as a disclaimer, if you do want to understand more of the science and history behind astrology, and by science, I'm 
saying that with air quotes, y'all. <laughs> the science and history of astrology. And if you'd like to hear Josh and Chuck basically laugh in the face of everyone like us who dares to enjoy and perhaps believe in uh, some of our zodiacs on occasion, our fellow How Stuff Works co-hosts over on Stuff You Should Know, Josh and Chuck, have a great episode just for you that we'll drop into the show notes. It's pretty funny. They kind of basically call all of astrology trash and then spend the entire episode saying, I really didn't mean to like come down on people who like astrology, but then they do. You know, Chuck and Josh have got to be Scorpios because that's some classic Scorpio behavior. <laughs> yeah, they actually go into that on there. So I don't think you're you're far from from truth on that one. So here's what I'm interested in in tackling. Like why have zodiac signs and astrology, why has all of that stuff come back with such a vengeance. And it certainly has, especially amongst women and millennial women in particular. According to some research by the National Science Foundation, 58% of 18 to 24-year-old Americans believe astrology is scientific. And that that's a little over the line for me, right? I, I I don't I wouldn't use the term scientific quite literally to describe astrology or my love for reading my zodiac on Refinery Twenty Nine, but those numbers are big, almost sixty percent of millennials. Apparently, really during that sort of hippie era of the nineteen sixties and into well into the seventies and early eighties, astrology was pretty big. The whole "What's your sign, baby?" was quite on trend, and then it went away for a little while. Everyone agreed this was bunk. And now millennials are bringing it back, which is an interesting juxtaposition when you look at how millennials feel about religion in particular. Yeah, that's so interesting that you say that because millennials are getting less into religion, but things like being spiritual or embracing the spirituality of life is having a resurgence. Yeah, according to the Pew Research Center, a full quarter of Americans now identify as, quote, spiritual, but not religious. Oh, that's very me. I know it's a little bit cliche to say, oh, I'm not into organized religion. I'm just spiritual. But it's true. It's I, I, I understand why some of us may feel a little bit queasy about getting involved in structured, organized religion, but still want to believe in something bigger than ourselves, something that's more of a higher power. Um, it sounds a little bit cliche, and maybe it is a little bit cliche, but it makes sense to me. I don't think it's cliche at all. Church attendance continues to decline, and millennials are the least traditionally religious of all living generations, which is not surprising. The majority of Americans now agree it is not necessary to believe in God in order to be moral, which is a relatively new thing in terms of how many people believe that. And Amelia Harnish brings up a ton of good points that we are going to reference over and over again in her article for Refinery29 called In Turbulent Times, We Look to the Sky, How Astrology is Soothing Millennial Women's Souls. And yes, that is the article that I was reading in bed at four o'clock in the morning the other day. Did it soothe your soul? It sort of soothed my soul. That's why this is such a conundrum and, and why this whole conversation, I think, can be a little fraught. But one of her best points, I think, is when she goes on to say, quote, in a world where all the major prophets are men and where feminine chastity and obedience to the patriarchy are the main things celebrated by traditional religions... 
It's obvious why millennial women, maybe the most powerful generation of women ever, are looking to see ourselves in our own experiences of the divine. So no sh- Like, organized religion has not traditionally been all that great for women. Of course we're looking for alternatives. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. When you look at things like the Catholic Church sex abuse scandal and all the different ways that organized religion can feel like it's failing young folks and women, it makes sense that we'd search for alternatives. Yes, exactly. And, I mean, the market also bears that out, too. While organized religion has been on the decline for our generation, the psychic services industry, which I didn't know was a market category (laughs) until researching for this episode... But yes, the psychic services industry, which includes astrology, tarot card reading, palmistry, a.k.a. going to palm readers, and other metaphysical services, is growing between 2011 and 2016, mind you, very briefly after the Great Recession, okay, 2011 to 2016, that whole industry sector shot up 2%, according to analysis from IBIS World. Now, that might not sound like a huge leap, but think about it this way. It's now an industry worth $2 billion, billion with a B, annually, and it was one of the very few industries to weather the market crash in 2008 with minimal declines. Okay, here's where I admit something that's a little bit surprising. I had a very weird month last month and this month for um, a handful of personal reasons I won't get into, but on one of the days I felt the most out of sorts. I got my palm read. My gym is kind of close to a uh, palm reading establishment, if you will. And you is know, it I, in Adams Morgan? It is. I know exactly where you're you talking been? about. No, but I, I went when I was going through some tumultuous... Wait, what? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is a real like moment of... Yeah. I didn't know this about this you. This is a confessional, y'all. Yeah. yeah. And I have to say, you know, I, I felt very lost. I felt very scattered. And I thought... You know, I pass this place every day. I've got 10 bucks in my pocket. Why not? What could they tell me that couldn't give me some sort of insight or give me some sort of clarity? And, you know, who knows if it's quote unquote real. How did it go? It went great. Honestly, it really felt more about having a conversation with someone about whatever was in my head and less about them looking at my palm and telling me, you know, the lotto numbers or whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's what is so powerful about this entire industry is that it's an opportunity for self-reflection and introspection that is beneficial regardless of how you're getting it. And maybe astrology is a whole bunch of bullshit. That's fine. Like, we're not asking you to believe in astrology. But if it creates a space for you to be mindful about yourself and your choices, and it gives you a framework to sort of plug your life into, it can, you know, is it bad? Is it Can it be bad? I, I don't know. That's exactly, I mean, you just articulated my feelings on the subject so well. For all my friends out there that make fun of me for being into astrology, I always just say, when I read my horoscope, which I do daily, I, who cares if it's real? Who cares if it's written in the stars? But what it does is that for that 10 minutes, it forces me to think about my behavior, think about how I'm feeling. I have to say, oh, does this sound like how I'm, how I've been the last couple of days? Yes or no. And even if it doesn't fit, that time is still meaningful in my life. And yeah. I don't think, you know, I'm not the kind of person who necessarily would do that if I didn't have that five, 10 minutes a day where yeah. I'm looking at my horoscope. And you know who loves to, um, to point out what total bullshit 
horoscopes are more than anyone I know. Is it Brad the Boo? It's Brad the Boo. So one of our like regimens right now is early morning Sunday uh, ski trips. So we'll get up really early. Brad's super good about having all of our ski stuff and gear ready. And all I have to do is like get caffeinated and get in the truck. That's my job. (laughs) And then by the time we arrive at the mountain, you know, sometimes traffic out there can be really tough. It'll be two hours later and I'm awake and ready to ski for the day. But every Sunday morning I get the New York Times and I'm reading it out loud on the way in. And whenever I don't have the New York Times or if we do a Saturday trip, I usually am reading our horoscopes. He's a Cancer. I'm a Virgo. And I'll read him out loud and I'll be like, oh my God, this is so you. Or, oh my God, this is so me. And then he'll be like, yeah, but all the other stuff you said that's not so me. He loves doing that. He loves pointing out all that That stuff. That is a classic anti-astrology tactic to (laughs) be like, oh, wouldn't it all fit? Yeah, exactly. Which half the time he's right and I don't care. And I'm like, that's not the point. All right. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to take a look at why this might be on the rise, especially amongst us millennial women. And we're back and we're giggling about our relationship to horoscopes and the people in our lives relationship to horoscopes. And we're trying to hear about your thoughts on horoscopes, quite frankly. Uh, but I want to break down a couple of reasons that we've seen come up or theories, really. There's theories that are out there as to why there's such a resurgence in the popularity of astrology right now. Some of them have everything to do with the status of our world and our, you know, global politics at this moment. Like a lot of industries, we've talked about this in terms of fashion and food and other industries are being imbued with social justice right now. And astrology is no exception. I think that makes perfect sense. In our skincare episode, we talked a little bit about how women are sort of flocking to taking care of their bodies and their skin or their hair as a response to sort of Trump-era America. And I think that's definitely true for astrology. Tally Udut, one half of the, quote, Astro Twins, who are a pretty popular astrology duo, I guess we'll call them, she writes, the 2016 election was a mind f- for people. Like, how is this actually happening? Young people are facing a challenging economy, unaffordable higher education and the stress of bullying, social media, and an uncertain future about the environmental state of the planet. Astrology and spiritual practice are incredibly grounding in the face of this. I could not agree more. I definitely found myself yearning for some sort of meaningful spiritual grounding in the wake of a Trump presidency, you know, when things were really, really heating up on the racial justice fronts. Those were the times where I most felt comforted by my own horoscopes and astrology and really thinking about the spirituality that, you know, links us all together. Like, what does it all mean? Yeah, I mean, I think during uncertain times, people look for something bigger than themselves. It's part of the appeal of organized religion. Always has been, still is today, right? When we feel like things are out of control and we individually might not have a lot of power and times are scary and uncertain, we look to something greater than us. And I think astrology fits the bill for a lot of folks. In her great piece for Refinery29, Amelia talks to Garlia Cornelia, a 34-year-old mother of two and playwright who lives in the New York City suburbs, who says that basically astrology is a lived faith. It brings a level of mindfulness that's calming, and she uses it 
as well as the related practice of studying moon cycles in relation to her menstrual cycle as a way to carve out space for self-care and planning ahead, which I thought was a very interesting connection between astrology and the divine feminine. Yeah, one of the things I love so much about astrology is that it does feel kind of feminine. And I think that's related to why it's having a resurgence with women. If you look at things like makeup, fashion, reality TV, things that you associate with women, I think we're at a moment where a lot of women, myself included, have maybe felt a bit sheepish about their interest in these things. But right now, I think it's okay to say, you know what? I like astrology and I don't care what you think. I like makeup and I don't care what you think. I like skincare and I don't care what you think. I feel like for so long, interest in quote unquote girly things has been something we've been a little bit shy about. Well, we've been taught to hate it. Right. We've been taught to embrace the masculine. And guess what? We can be boss who are smart and capable and strong and still like to read their Zodiac. You're a perfect example of that. Aw, right back at ya. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of is our episode on uh, how Teen Vogue got woke. Because we looked at how people used to throw shade at women's magazines being, you know, trifling little nonsense <laughs> reads. And now their hard-hitting journalists are in the same magazine as you know, skincare conversations, and that's okay. We yeah. can do that. We can we can embrace that duality, and that's not something to feel ashamed of. That's all, all that shame was internalized patriarchy coming at us, making us feel like being ladylike or girlish or whatever was somehow something to apologize for. We are vast. We contain multitudes. You can read your horoscope and still be a smart, savvy, research-driven woman or podcaster, if you're me. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Nadia Shah, a Canadian astrologer who has an MA in the cultural study of cosmology, not to be confused with cosmetology, but actually the study of the cosmos, and divination from the University of Kent in the United Kingdom, says that this whole resurgence is an example of the deep yearning for a way to link the feminine to the divine. She says, quote, astrology and some of these other practices acknowledge that there is a sacred feminine energy in the universe. And it can be a way of honoring the sacred feminine, which really looks different than our very male-dominated history, long history of organized religion. Definitely. And again, I can see why for younger folks like ourselves, that's more appealing than organized religion. It makes perfect sense. Exactly. Now, there's another theory out there, which I call the millennial generation theory, right? So beyond linking the feminine to the divine, part of the resurgence can also potentially be explained by the characteristics that our generation holds. First and foremost, you may have heard the rumor, the reputation out there, that we millennials are a little self-centered. And what a better thing to do than read all about yourself and your unique place in the universe. Of course, our generation is into this because it's all about you. Exactly. Amelia Harnish writes over in Refinery29, of course, millennials are often derided as, quote, self-obsessed, but don't get it twisted. Self-obsessed does not necessarily mean selfish. One has to remember that millennials have been let down over and over again. We've been told that we are post-racial and post-feminist, that equality had been reached, and yet we all experience racism and sexism constantly. And when we speak about it online or attempt to organize for change, we're derided as, quote, whiners or snowflakes and told to shut up and stop complaining. We were told to work hard and we'd be rewarded. And instead, we graduated into a wrecked economy, enormous debt, 
and an ever more unstable world. It's no wonder we want to be able to trust some deep wisdom within ourselves. We can't trust anyone else. Damn, right? that is so true. I am so into Amelia Harnish's piece for Refinery29. I mean, it, it plays right into the trend that millennials are rejecting institutions. And this is like a personal alternative to an institution. It's the divinity within. It is. And when you feel like you can't trust anyone, when you feel like you can't trust institutions, you really have to look within and find things to trust within yourself. And I think that horoscopes help you connect to that. I agree. Now, to be a little meta here, to go one step further on the millennial as a generation makes sense for this astrology resurgence. If you look to the stars and look at our generation's star chart, we actually share some interesting astrological characteristics. Uh, now, I don't proclaim to know what half of these words mean, but here's what we've read. Apparently, we have a lot of key similarities in our natal charts. Neptune stays about 13 years in a sign, so it can influence an entire generation. And Neptune is confusion, delusion, and illusion. Does that sound like our millennial generation? (laughs) Confusion, delusion, and illusion. According to Angel, the astrologer that Amelia, who wrote this article, Amelia Harnish, went to have a reading with, she says, most of your generation has Neptune in Capricorn, which is a business-like sign. So your generation sees spirituality as business and business as spiritual, which from a career development standpoint, really struck me as true about millennials because we're not just looking for careers that pay the bills. We're looking for careers that fulfill our purpose. And that's a very new and unique characteristic of our generation that reminded me of that connection to business and spirituality. Well, that connects so nicely to the point that you made earlier that I think we'll get into more in just a minute, which is this idea that for a lot of millennials, we're so grounded in things like spirituality and social change that We expect those things to infuse all aspects of life. And so if we're going to go buy a cheeseburger, it better be an ethically sourced cheeseburger where they give half the profits to some good cause. Otherwise, we're not into it. (laughs) Totally. I mean, how many of our episodes hit on that very concept? It's clearly a thing with millennials. And I think you see a lot of savvy businesses trying to tap into that these days. Ooh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I have to acknowledge that social justice is a big part of the modern-day astrology movement. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll look at some of the leading women of the astrology movement who are infusing all of their horoscopes with a lot of social justice. We'll be right back after this. And we are back. And we have to talk about a very cool uh, astrologist, astro- astrology expert, horoscope writer, badass boss lady of astrology, <laughs> the L.A.-based Chani Nicholas. Full disclosure, Chani is my favorite. I await her horoscopes to drop like I'm waiting for a fucking Beyonce album. <laughs> when it comes, I, I stop everything and I read them. Honestly, Chani is like a poet. Go and look at some of her writing. You know, you think you're just reading a horoscope, but it's so beautifully written sometimes. It almost gives me chills. I totally believe that. And there's a lot of that combination of astrology and poetry on the Internet as well. Chani's really symbolic of this 
latest iteration of the astrology renaissance. She made a name for herself with, quote, politically charged and deeply pragmatic readings. Uh, according to Lenny Letter, she's been profiled by the LA Times, featured in BuzzFeed, The Cut, and Nylon. Her horoscopes come out on Mondays, but on any given day, you might find her reading Cardi B's chart for the listeners of a hip-hop radio show or explaining why the eclipse was bad news for Trump. And now she's training a generation of astrologers through classes on her own website. Her essay on the star signs and Trump was one of my favorite reads of the year. If you could, t- that was a Venn diagram of things Bridget loves, <laughs> bashing Trump and astrology. I was in heaven. I was like, oh my God, this is, nothing will ever be more fitting for me than this. <laughs> It was written for you. It was written for me. Written in the stars, written for me. I love it. You know, it's funny. She says that the combination of astrology and social justice for her was not super intentional. It was just natural. She actually is on the record saying, listen, astrology is just my skill set. Social justice is my passion. So partly, it's just me. Also, astrology is all about commenting on humans and the human experience. It's about our decisions and our movements and all of that. So to me, I don't understand under what circumstances would your politics not come into your astrology. Exactly. If we're making this point that spirituality sort of infuses everything we do from the things that we buy, from the movies that we see, of course it would infuse social change, politics, and our social and political landscape. Exactly. And I really love what she's all about. She's not just sort of social justice washing her craft like we've seen some corporations do. Um, you know, this is not just about making feminism sell her stuff more. It's inherent to who she is. But then she went on to say this, which which caused me some pause. And, and this is where I kind of like the skincare debate. This is where I, I feel some personal tension. She says, We are all in desperate need of being reflective. We all deeply crave a reflection because a reflection kind of unlocks something in us. And then it helps us to help find our agency. And that last part really struck me because, right, your personal agency, your ability to make change in your life, to me, seems directly in contradiction with this idea that things are sort of predestined in the stars, that are written in the stars. So the question is, does it, does reading your Zodiac help you find a sense of personal agency? Or does it do the opposite and give you an excuse to explain why things aren't working in your life or are working in your life? You know what I mean? I know what you mean, and I have two thoughts on that. One is that I don't know if you saw recently Erica Badu got into a little bit of hot water because she gave this really wild interview wherein she said that she saw the good in Hitler because he was a good painter. Wow. And when the interviewer pushed back and said, That's deeply offensive. Yes. Would you like to take that again? She said, Well, I guess that's just the Pisces in me. <laughs> Which oh, I was like, no. wow, she really um for all I was like, wow, she really used, fell back on her Zodiac as a way to explain, like, oh, did I just say something really offensive? Well, I'm a Pisces. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it, I think it can run the risk of giving people the opportunity to shirk their agency and, and say, well, this is just who I am. It's fixed trait, you know, and, and say it's destined in the stars that I'm going to be flaky or whatever. Yeah, for me... When I read my horoscope, oftentimes I'm more attuned to the sort of negative things it's saying about me. And so I actually use it to as a way of maybe finding personal agency. So, you know, I'm a Pisces. Uh, I was born on March 14th. And traits about Pisces are supposedly flighty and emotional and intuitive and creative. 
And so I, I, when I read my horoscope and it's saying, well, you know, watch out for this negative trait that might pop up on this day. I like to think that I use that as a warning to not do that and to take some personal agency. It's kind of like a challenge to be better. Exactly. So if my horoscope says you're going to feel X, Y, Z on this date, your instinct is going to be to do this. You should probably do that. It Mm. helps me be a little bit more mindful of, oh, am I reacting the way that my horoscope said I I would? And is there a better way to react? Yeah, it kind of creates an opportunity for metacognition to like think about the way you're thinking. Yeah, and honestly, I know that horoscopes get a lot of shade, but that's really how I use it. I just use it as a way to check in with my own behavior, how I'm feeling, and to sort of hit the brakes on something and course correct something that's not going well. Yes, and I think that's a really positive way to look at horoscopes. It can be twisted, And I don't think it's healthy to look at your horoscope and say, oh, well, this is how my life is going to be, you know, or feel like it's already predestined. I'm going to have a bad day today or I'm going to have a great day today and sort of get complacent and not feel like you're an agent of change in your own life. But yeah, I mean, as long as we're not doing that, I think they can be relatively harmless. However, there's one other argument that came up from Amanda Hess in the New York Times I find, like, Amanda Hess and I must be reading all the same because every time I dive deep into a topic for Sminty, somehow Amanda Hess comes up. And her whole series for the New York Times on Amanda on the Internet. What is it called? Do you know, like, um, do you know what I'm talking about? Internetting. Internetting with Amanda Hess is so great. And this came up in one of her Internetting columns. Quick thing, you know where she got her start? Where? Here in D.C., the city paper, she was the sexist. Remember? Oh, yeah. I adore her. She's great. I'm sad I never met her. Did you meet her? I wish. I wish, too. She's really cool. Amanda, call us. We want to be friends. Anyway, she has a very, uh, I wouldn't say salty, but a cutting take on the whole phenomenon and the rise of Zodiac popularity. And she says it's much more about the medium than the message. Basically, she says Zodiacs were pretty much designed for the digital era. And she makes a really good point. She says, quote, I think the astrology boomlet, as in tiny boom, (laughs) owes as much to the dynamics of the modern internet as it does to any sort of cosmic significance about the millennials' place in the universe. Astrology checks several boxes for viral happy content. It provides an easy framework for endlessly personalized material, targets women, and accesses 90s nostalgia. It's the cosmic BuzzFeed quiz. That's so good and so true. One of my favorite astrology-based Twitter accounts is AstroPoets. I mean, it's called AstroPoets, but it's really more sort of pop culture astrology. And so each tweet almost exists as this standalone absurdist point. That it's so, it's so funny and weird that you can't help but love it. And so they'll often break down different things like, oh, each sign as a Lady Gaga lyric or each sign as a sext. So here's a great example. Cancer sext. It's a full moon. Blinky face. Scorpio. Yeah, it's lit, but who is this? LOL. <laughs> so it's absurdist. It really doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you, if it's your sign, somehow every time I see it, I'm like, oh, that's so me. Right. Even though it's nonsensical. <laughs> right. Well, they like have these fake conversations, like fake text conversations and other sort of celebrity driven absurdities. But man, it's hard to pack that much absurdity into a little tweet. So that's an impressive poetic feat in and of itself. 
you're going to actually appreciate this. And so I always look for my astro poet readings, even though it's just a tweet. And just the other day, my reading for the week of January 28th, it says, what is it about passion that makes people think that it requires no planning? They must not know you. And I thought if Emily read this, <gasps> she would say that is perfect for Bridget. And it was perfect for me. I love that. It's, and again, it's these little funny, but often truisms. insightful. Yeah. yeah. Truisms. It's like these little, these little nuggets of humor, sometimes absurdist, but sometimes very meaningful. I love that. And you know what's kind of interesting about modern day astrology writing like that is that everyone who's writing it kind of does so with a nod, nod, wink, wink. Amanda Hess writes, quote, you don't have to actually believe in astrology to be into it. That position is best exemplified by the Twitter meme, quote, astrology is fake, but... <laughs> And which like goes on to say, but isn't this true? You know, we all acknowledge that it's bullshit, but read into how true this is. You know, this sort of like acceptance that you don't need to believe it, but oh my God, isn't it on point? Exactly. And you actually just made me think of another reason why I love astrology writing so much is because so much of the writing on the internet takes itself very seriously, is very stuffy, is very... Yeah. It feels very serious. And astrology writing isn't that way. To be into astrology, you kind of have to be in on that wink, wink, nod, nod vibe. And I find that, you know, when I read astrology writing, it's usually either meaningful or it's funny. And people, yeah. who, it's written yeah. for people who don't take it too seriously. Yeah. And that's the kind of writing that I want to read. And so I just want to underscore that by saying oftentimes why I am drawn to this is because it's good writing. Yes. It's good content. And it's almost sometimes almost satirical, which is actually very different than the sincere advice of traditional newspaper astrologers. Amanda Hess says many successful modern astrologists adopt a ride distance to their subject matter. She references the Cuts resident astrologer who calls herself Madame Clairvoyant. And then the poet and essayist Melissa Broder, who offers, quote, Lenny scopes on Lenny letter, which read like a slyly sarcastic version of the Zodiac that undercut the practice even as they reinforce it. There's a silly kind of pleasure to be taken in twisting scientific data points, birth dates, orbits, planetary alignments, into little morality plays about our inconsequential personal dramas. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Like, that is exactly why it's so good. It can be... Oh, God, I'm, I'm just like in awe of that. I know! Amanda, this is so good. It often taps in to something that is absurdist or humorist in a way that just I feel like no one else is really doing it sort of shows us yeah. the absurdity of the world the absurdity of our own behavior and sort of makes fun of it in a way that feels both comforting and funny and not a bad way to sort of laugh at your place in this planet you know what I mean yeah what's my, the harm exactly that's why I love astro poets so much because it really does encourage me to laugh at some of my own frailties it'll be like Somewhere Pisces out there has 18 unread texts. And I'm like, yep, I sure do. Haha. <laughs> like, instead of, it gives you the space to, instead of beating yourself up about something that yeah. you feel weird about, just sort of laugh about it. I love it. Whether you think that astrology is on the rise because of the unique star positions for our entire generation when we were all born, or because we're self-obsessed millennials who love to not believe in traditional institutions and rather seek out feminine divinity within ourselves. Or, like Amanda Hess points out, you think this shit was just made for Instagram and the era of social media. Or it's a survival technique for how you're coping with the era of Trump. 
I think the rise of horoscopes is both non-surprising to me and comforting. And I'm okay admitting that. I'm very okay admitting it. I was a little skittish before this episode to admit it, but I'm okay with it now. And I think we should all be reclaiming things that have been sort of cast aside as girly or feminine and, and, and unserious and say, yeah, I like this. So <laughs> We should have Josh and Chuck in here and be like, are y'all hearing this? Yeah, we should. <laughs> I know. Yes. Don't shame me for being into my horoscope. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I've made major life choices. Okay, well, that actually concerns me. Or not. I mean, okay, now you take that So back. what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? If, if I, I'm trying to think of an example. Oh, perfect example is this podcast. So if you know the story of how we got on this podcast together, which is that I was out of work. I had been laid off unexpectedly from a job that I loved and was sort of in this weird ether of, I probably could get another job, but I don't know, offers, not not sort of sure what to do. You called me and said, I have a great offer for you. I texted you. Yes. I was at Red Derby. You texted me and said, don't do anything yet, but I I want to talk to you. I think I said, are you still searching for a job? Do not take anything. Which which already (laughs) sounds kind of like the kind of text that you would get, you know, and think this is a sign. But then I read my horoscope and it said... Something about along the lines of accepting new things. You know, the universe is going to provide for you. This is a scary time. And then I got that text from you. And so that made me, you know, I'm the kind of person who's a little bit into hippy dippy stuff. So I'm like always looking for signs. And I thought, this is a sign. I love it. And it worked out. It worked out. It did work out. I love it. I'm waiting for one of those signs right now myself, actually. Read those horoscopes. Um, I'm ready to read some (laughs) horoscopes. And actually, as we wrap up today's episode, now might be a good time for me to confess some news to you all, my beloved Sminty listeners, at the end of this month, I am very sad to say that I will actually be moving on from Stuff Mom Never Told You, which is bittersweet. It's sad. I'm really going to miss collaborating with you, Bridget. I feel like in so many ways we were just getting started, but it's also an opportunity Right. So there's a lot of reasons behind this decision, but the primary reality is that I'm trying to bring a lot of focus to my work this year. And Sminty has been an opportunity of a lifetime, a privilege and a pleasure. But I'm going to actually be launching a podcast all about career development. So all about the work I do at Bossed Up, about personal and professional development for women who are navigating career transition and considering entrepreneurship uh, from a feminist lens, right? So I'm, I'm by no means leaving the universe of podcasting, but I am sadly leaving this particular fabulous, fiercely feminist podcast with you, Bridget, which I'm very sad about. Um, and for those of you who can't join me in Denver this month for an in-person hangout sesh, I want to let you know that I'm actually hosting a live webinar at the end of this month just for Sminty listeners who want to talk with me directly about what's going on, this transition, and learn a little bit more about where I'm headed next in my next venture. So if you want to join me on a webinar for that live conversation, it'll be me really talking to you, Sminty listeners, about what's happening and where I'm headed next. You can go to bossedup.org slash Sminty. That's bossedup.org slash S-M-N-T-Y and sign up to join me then. But don't worry, y'all. We've got like seven more episodes coming your way this month, so I'm not heading anywhere fast, but 
I do want to say it's been an absolute pleasure and a delight to be a part of this. And I really feel like this departure is too soon, um, but hope that we can continue bossing up in your earbuds um, soon. You can probably tell by my voice. I can't. I'm. It's emotional for me. But I mean, I can't even express how much this has meant to me to do with you, Emily. Um, I also will be here in your earbuds, but you know, it's doing this. I, I, there's no one else I would have wanted to go on this venture with. I can't even imagine doing this not with you. And you've just, it's just been a delight. I'm, I'm, I feel like we sort of just got into our groove in a kind of way. And, you know, I know that you're on to bigger and better as always, but you know, this will, I feel like this will always be your home. (laughs) I almost, this is so silly. I'm sorry. It's sad. I get it. It is hard. It's hard. And we've done a few episodes where we knew this was going to be the vibe and it was difficult. So if you heard episodes that have been recorded recently where you're thinking, oh, their energy seems different. That could be why, because it is hard. It's hard, you know, to feel like you're in this with a good friend. And then when that good friend goes on to do something really cool, but not with me, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's like, um, yeah, you get it. Well, I have to say that the show will go on. And, you know, we stepped into some big shoes with filling in for Kristen and Caroline. And you are carrying the torch like a boss, Bridget. And the show will go on and it will be great. And like we said right before the end of the year, what has made Stuff Mom Never Told You amazing has always been the listeners. So listen, How Stuff Works is committed to making this show awesome. And you, Bridget, are an awesome part of how they're going to make that happen. So I am sad to be leaving, but the show's not over yet with me, y'all. We've got another bunch of episodes coming your way. But as a reminder, if you do want to talk one-on-one, learn more about my next adventure, and just stay connected and converse with me directly about this transition, bossedup.org. That's B-O-S-S-E-D-U-P dot org slash sminty. And be on the lookout for Emily's new astrology-focused venture. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish I had an astrology podcast. Oh God, I would Maybe die. Maybe this should be our next venture. It should be. It should be. I actually had no idea you were so into this. So I'm oh, so happy <laughs> to hear this. It seemed at the start of this episode like you were like, "Oh my God, Emily's going to roll her eyes." I mean, I, I thought this was going to be me defending my interest <laughs> in astrology and you talking about yeah. why it's BS, and then all the listeners <laughs> being like, "Emily's right, Bridget. Bridget shouldn't be into astrology. Astrology's dumb." And then me feeling. <laughs> For a week. You looked so vindicated when I was like, oh, I went to a palm reader too. <laughs> I never thought, yeah, that was that came out of nowhere. I was happy with that, but I was It's surprising. not like me as a Virgo. It's so not like you. You know who else is a Virgo? Beyonce. Beyonce obviously, she's like Virgo idol the status. First, first time I met you, I knew you were a Virgo. I knew it. I'm not kidding. I thought in my head you are a Virgo. And you are. I am. I'm I am. Okay, y'all. We want to hear from you. We're supposed to, we should wrap this episode up, but yes, let's keep talking about our zodiacs. Um, so, Sminty listeners, where do you fall on this pseudoscience new wave substitute for religion for millennials? How do you feel about reading your horoscope? What is astrology like? What's your take on all this? We can't wait to hear from you. So hit us up on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast, on Instagram at StuffMomNeverToldYou, and as always, our inbox is open at MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. Mm-hmm. 